Anyway, yeah, we're back. And better than ever. Rest in peace, Mike Like when Mike. Jordan sported 45. Uh, when he had the flu. Good times. Uh, so, yeah, uh, so let's do this. Let's talk right. to music. We don't need any fancy intro or jokes or let's just go. We're veterans of the industry at this point. We're starting the second half of our second season. <laughs> so we don't need jokes. We don't need bits. Like we're just here to do real life. So, Intentionally yeah. in this season. Amen. You have, you've even forgotten what the music sounds like. Is that not so, it? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the One Hour Week Podcast. I'm Jared Hollier. He's Rusty Mott. What's up? And we appreciate your patience. Uh, that mid-season break went a lot longer than we anticipated. We didn't tell you how long it was going to last. Yeah. It was, we, uh, we, but we were on a break. We reserved the right to wait as long as we wanted. And we did. We stretched it out. Here it is. We did. New year, uh, two months in. Uh, and so we got a new episode. How are Finally. you? Resol- today, our first our first episode of the new year, we're going to talk about resolutions. <laughs> that would uh, be great. Yeah. A month and a half into the year, have a new year episode. But the new trend is to not have New Year's resolutions, but to have, like, have you seen the people who have a word for the year? Yeah. So, so I guess of, ours was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> was that our word? <laughs> Late. <laughs> yeah. Oh, leisure. Goodness. Let's go with that. Leisure. That's the pace leisure. we're setting leisure. for the year. That's right. Um, how's your new year going, church-wise? How are things at Cornerstone? Man, things are good so far. We actually, speaking of kind of late New Year stuff, Sunday we just did kind of like a year in review type of message. We call it the State of the Church Address. We do right. it every year, and they they enjoy it. We enjoy it. It's kind of a special time just to reflect upon what God has done. So. It went well. Uh, and you set some goals for the church looking forward? Yeah, yeah. We kind of looked uh, Vision 2020, very original. Uh, no one else is going to use that. I don't think anybody else has realized yet that oh, 2020, man. the year, is a perfect time to team up with the word vision. So, you know, when you're a visioneer like me, you come up with stuff like that. So, a visionary. Uh, I actually warned our church. I said, y'all need to just be aware. If this is the first time you've seen it, you are going to be beaten down by Vision 2020 and variations of that by the year 2020. But it is kind of nice to be able to kind of set a marker three years down the road because we kind of said we want to accomplish these goals by the end of 2020. So to kind of throw it out there and say, here's some things we really want to see happen as a church, organizationally and and administratively, really, uh, ministry-wise, our goals are kind of always evolving as we follow the Lord, but there are just some things organizationally that we'd like to get knocked out. So, yeah, just like personally, sometimes you need to set some goals, resolutions, new year, kind of new you. Sometimes church and as an organization, you got to just sit down and think, where are we headed? What does that look like? So that's hey, you what we did Sunday. you got to be intentional with direction and stuff like that helps you. Otherwise, you're just kind of drifting month to month going, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, where are we at? Yeah. What are we? So uh, I admire that about you. Uh, things here are going well. We just finished up. In fact, this will be a nice segue into the topic of the day. Uh, we just finished up our first major event of the year, 
which was a uh, weekend Bible conference. Instead of a winter Bible study, I know a lot of churches still do that. Uh, we took a weekend, the first weekend of February, and, and did a, a three-day conference, Friday night, Saturday morning, and we finished up with our Sunday morning worship service. Called it the Gospel in the Gospels. Uh, we took four sessions and looked at a different gospel each session. So Kyle Warren from First Baptist Lumberton did our Friday night in Matthew uh, Rusty Mott from Koontz. Maybe y'all have heard of him. What? Shout out. And Brother Jimmy Neal were here Saturday and did uh, Mark and Luke. And then I finished up Sunday morning in our worship service. We looked at John. And it was great. It was well attended and people were excited about it and already uh, asking if we were going to do it again next year. And so we've we've decided we will. And we did it on Super Bowl weekend. And so uh, that gave us kind of an easy way to say, hey, we're going to dismiss services Sunday night because we had Friday night and Saturday morning. Um, don't wait don't to bow to the way to, to <laughs> bow to the pigskin idol of this culture <laughs> you godless heathen true story when we put this on the calendar last uh, i guess at the end of the summer early fall we we started planning it we put it on the calendar it was like a month later we looked at the calendar and went oh that's that's super bowl weekend like that kind of works out but now looking yes. at yeah looking ahead now like it won't be an issue we'll just have it built in and people will know that like what do y'all do a, a sunday evening service on super bowl or do y'all have that weird conversation like should we shouldn't uh, we well now that you brought it up after i called you a godless heathen for yeah, canceling services uh we have also kind of built the state of the church address into that sunday and we have a big meal right after service and then generally do like a roundtable discussion with our elders and deacons and that kind of takes the place of our evening service yeah so we too have cleverly found a way to uh, not feel guilty about calling off service for the pigskin idol well i remember when when i was a kid we used to do uh like we would all meet in the fellowship hall and turn the game on and we'd watch the first half as a church family and then at halftime we'd go and have like our regular evening worship services and then if anybody wanted to stay after and watch you know usually we were done by like the the start of the fourth quarter or you know midway through the third quarter and a lot of people went home after service and uh, uh but a lot of people would hang around and watch the end of the game but then it got to where the i mean just the commercials were so sex driven and kind of off color like we just we just can't do that anymore at the church in good conscience i know a lot of people do and i've even heard of people who like uh one church family I know of, they, they cover the screen during the commercials and like their youth group does skits and like fake advertisements and funny things like advertising products in their church or services for people in their church uh, instead of the commercials. But we just, we I don't do that's it anymore. That's a good idea. Yeah, to, to kind of take take some of that back, you know, to co-opt a, a worldly event and try to make something cool out of it. I, I think that's a good idea if you do it. But yeah, that that hasn't been our bag either, but um, you know, every church kind of does different things when it comes to special events and how we work and operate on those things. So with that said, we have now twice segued. Mm. We we have two segues now. Segway so we're like Paul, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Uh, <laughs> so we're segueing. <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop. The sequel. That's great. Uh, so it's good. I didn't know there was if you a sequel. If you haven't seen both of them, you're not a real fan. Hey, I've uh, seen the first one. I enjoyed the first one, you know, for what it was. I Seriously, and I'm not even ashamed to say this, anything that 
Kevin James is in. He's so it, funny. It is, yeah. it is dumb, stupid. Yep. It's physical comedy most yeah. of the time, but I laugh hysterically. And I don't know if the he had a sitcom and has a sitcom on CBS, Kevin Can Wait, and they like straight up killed off his wife just so they could yeah. bring back the old wife. And my wife and I were like mad about it. Like when it first started, this just ruined the show. But I'll just be honest. Now we're we're back. We're all the way back in because Kevin has slowly won our hearts again with his bumbling stupidity. He's good and at what he does. I love it. Yeah. He's good at what he as does. As long as you understand what you're getting with him. I, I feel like he's in the same camp as Jack Black. Like you know yeah. what you're getting. And if you just know that going in, you're good with it. Okay, so now that uh, I took a great segue and ruined it by bringing up Kevin James, let's uh, segue again. That's three segues for those of you counting today. By the way, uh, the 12th listener will win a segue. Uh, who's listening today? No, I'm kidding. Uh, so we wanted to talk today about special events. Jared just got done doing a special event, and actually I didn't mention it earlier, but Cornerstone just kind of did a special event that drug out through January on Sunday nights. and Drug out uh, through January? Yeah, I don't bad? mean that. No, I don't mean it in a negative sense. I mean, like, we didn't get ours. We had four sessions just like y'all, but we did it on every Sunday night in January. Yeah. So we kind of just wanted to to talk a little bit about the purpose of special events, why we do them, why they're beneficial, maybe even kind of the struggle of special events. And uh, in the midst of that, just kind of get you thinking as you're looking into 2018 at what you're going to do in your ministry. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. We're actually going from uh, our super weekend, as I think it will henceforth be known. Um, And Mm. this Sunday... We are starting our. We started this last year and it went really well. Instead of a week long summer vacation Bible school, we're going to do a winter VBS and it'll be on Sunday nights from five to seven for four weeks in a row. And so we just went from, you know, our super weekend and now we're going straight into the winter VBS, which is another special event. Um, And so, you know, springtime, a lot of churches do disciple now and you've got summer, which is full of Bible school and children's activities and youth camp. Um, so let's, are you, are you like me? Whenever we have something going on, I get like this nervous, anxious energy. I can't sit still. I can't, I just kind of pace the hallways nervously until it's done. Like, and Liz has called me on out on it for, you know, the 13 years we've been married and working in ministry together where she just kind of points it out. She thinks it's funny because I just get this nervous anticipation, this anxious kind of energy. I'm just pacing the halls and, and, checking everything last until it's over i can't breathe or sit still until it's over are you like that or do you just kind of push the ball down the hill and watch it roll no no i'm definitely kind of a worrier micromanager i i feel like when i put together an event that it has to be awesome and i i am guilty of on both sides probably celebrating too hard when it goes well and lamenting like borderline sackcloth and ashes when it doesn't when i don't perceive it as successful yeah um and we i think we put so much at stake in our minds when we plan these special events but here's what's difficult and i think it's important to point this out and i don't mean this in a negative way but our people are not near as worried about it as we are true uh when when you are up that week before stressing about it, they're not going, oh, how's the gospel and the gospel's going to work out, you know? Uh, So that is not to discourage you from being diligent to do well, but that is to kind of just put things in perspective that what we can do with these special events is bring something to the table and let our folks know that dinner's ready, but we can't make them show up. I think that's really my biggest 
fear normally is that I put all this effort and all this energy into something and our people don't care about it. Yeah. Uh, which kind of brings us, uh, circles us around to, I think, a, an important thing to ask is, why do we do special events? What's the purpose of special events in the church? Why don't we just show up on Sunday mornings and go verse by verse, starting through Genesis until Jesus comes back? Why do we do anything kind of special and different in the church? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I think, I think one, you know, it, it, a little shot in the arm, energy-wise, when there's something different. Um, you know, you think even about your own family life. There's holidays and birthday parties, uh, which I want to come back to in a minute. Remind me to come back to the idea of doing too many special events. Because if you have birthday cake every day of the week, then it stops being a fun treat. hey um, You know, <laughs> now yeah, that I said it out I loud. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is. It's a good shot in the arm, you know, to do something different, to change things up, give a little more energy. Um, I also think it's really important for it helps to build fellowship. You know, I I never want to be um, I never want to downplay the significance of fellowship in the church, and you know, just building that community and camaraderie. And when the people have an event to kind of huddle around, and the people help execute it and they help pull it off, and then they learn together and they worship together. You know, six months from now, our folks are going to be able to look back on this conference we had and say. You know, hey, remember when we did that thing or, or next year when we have it again or, you know, think five years we've been doing it. There's going to be these people who say, I remember when we did the first one of these and it was like this and we did this. And just building that community, um, not around a football game or around, you know, whatever sitcom Kevin James happens to be in, but building that community and those memories around, you know, things that we've worshipped, disciple sessions that discipleship sessions we've gone through things that we've done together at the church around the gospel i think that's i think that's huge yeah i think the purpose of special events whether you call it you know a conference a you know winter bible study or a revival i think it's interesting in our culture particularly among our generation probably the biggest group of people listening to this podcast in ministry are younger folks and i think when you listen to uh, most of the people of our generation, a lot of pastors that we were influenced by were very dismissive of revivals. They were kind of like, oh, you can't schedule a move of God. How arrogant of us to think that we can schedule a move of God. So we kind of go back and forth on that and argue about it and can go all kinds of different directions on it. But at the end of the day, uh, you look at the scripture and you see tons of times where the people of God have scheduled various points throughout their year to stop and remember the Lord and to stop and reflect upon what he's yeah. done or to stop and look to the future. Uh, Deuteronomy is almost like a special event. I, I joked about that. It's almost like a state of the church address where right before we go into the promised land, let's stop down and review everything that's happened. And so you see a very, I think a very biblical precedent for stopping and remembering and reflecting or stopping and looking forward and kind of doing different things throughout the year. So um, and all of those things you said, I think, are, are very applicable to that. It, it builds that fellowship and really builds community when the people of God do things together outside of their normal realm of influence. And I think it's great, too. I, I've never I'll be honest with you. I've never thought of it in those terms, but it does help set us apart, which is what we're supposed to be. You know, a, a people who are called out. It does help set us apart when we as a church family know, hey, every uh, you know, every February we're going to have this weekend on our calendar. Or if it's your church and you know that 
uh, every first week of July is when we do Bible school. Or another thing our church does, the first Sunday of every month is when we do uh, communion and baptism. And so our folks just know that's when we're going to do it. And so it does help create that people set apart unto God when we know on the calendar we've got these things scheduled every year. But we also don't want to fall into the trap of going too far the other way where our entire church ministry and everything we do is driven by special events. And we talked about this before when we talked about fireworks versus embers, uh, yeah. season one, I think. Um, oh, throwback. So, how, yeah, people are going to have to go back and dig through the archives to find that. Um, so it, why is there a temptation to have too many events? Is that a temptation for you, and how do we kind of guard against uh, falling into that? Well, when I think of special events, there are two things that they're helpful for in the church, and I struggle with both of these. What's weird is just the way our flesh works. I kind of fight against liturgy, creating rhythms in the church, and kind of what you were referring to a second ago, that, man, when we do this every year, when we do this, it kind of becomes little things we look forward to. That's that's liturgy, and that's important thing that, that needs to happen within the church. But the other reason we do special events, ironically, is to bust up those rhythms and kind of shake yeah. us loose from the normal. So it's it's kind of weird that we do special events that are kind of for the purpose of liturgy and rhythms of church life, and we also do it to break up liturgies and rhythms of church life. So at the same time, that weird middle ground that exists there is that when we start something to break up and disrupt our normal rhythm, guess what? In a few years, it becomes liturgy, right? Like the gospel and the gospels was really cool this year, but in three or four years, it kind of becomes something we look forward to and this is what we do. And that's all okay too. But I think my personality is just geared toward always wanting to bust up the status quo. Yeah. Uh, Anti-establishment, if you will, right? Like it's like, oh, we've always done it this way, so let's do it this way. Where sometimes those healthy rhythms are what makes the church the church and if you're only doing those crazy fireworks shows and you're only this week it's totally new and it's totally different and it will never be the same you're going to be blown away by what happens uh, it's not sustainable and you are and even if that becomes your rhythm you are trying to run a marathon in a full sprint and you're eventually going to burn out and sometimes when we're playing an event i have to be careful not to fall into the mindset of what can we do to make the community be impressed with us like I kind of I kind of have the thought like okay what can we do that other people would think man that's really cool whether it's other churches that let's be honest we kind of feel like we're competing with even though we shouldn't feel that way we kind of do what can we do to make either the guy on staff over there or the members who left and went and joined that church or people who are on the fence like what can we do to impress people what could we pull off and so we have to be personally I have to be careful that that doesn't become a mindset like how can we really wow the people um because if we're you know i don't have to explain why that's just unhealthy that's not glorifying god or building the church that's just trying to be impressive and cool so we can't do it that way either i think you've hit on something really important there and we this is kind of a broader topic that we kind of bring into multiple conversations but are you planning special events for the body that you have been called to shepherd or the group you've been called to shepherd are you are you planning events that will impress people outside of your church, your ministry peers? Uh, are you are you spending more time working on the logo and the social media marketing to make it look cool to those who are never even going to step foot right. in your event and you know it? 
than you are making sure that it's going to be something that moves the ball down the field spiritually for your people. So what recently, you know, we've talked about the conference that we just did. Uh, you've been at Cornerstone five years now. Is there anything that y'all have done that you think, man, I wish we could do that again, or like that was a huge success? Uh, what events have you done would you call a success, and what made them a success? How do you measure the success of a special event? That's a really good question. And I know that's why I, I already, asked it. <laughs> I'll, that, I think anytime someone says that's a really good question, that is their version of, oh, crud, I've got to come up with a response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. But uh, let me compliment you while I gather my thoughts. <laughs> I, I already confess that I struggle with defining success the wrong way. How many people notice? How many people show up? Uh, how many people are influenced by it Um, and I think for me when I look back at five years of ministry maybe the most impressive events have been the ones that people would not point to and remember Um, they they may not point back to the January preaching series where we brought in big name pastors from all over the state to come preach they may not remember uh, you know that revival that had the special emphasis in it but I remember moments where we just just like I'll I'll go stay to the church since it's so fresh on my mind it's been kind of awkward because when I first started it and when I first got here we were growing so quick and things were going so crazy every year at the state of the church it's like we're building a building we're going to two services we're changing the way we do Sunday school and like the last two years the last two years I mean we have our building we have staff we have like the last couple years it's been like all right well uh, let's keep following Jesus y'all and I know that that falls a little flat it doesn't meet expectations but last year in particular we had kind of plateaued in our growth as a church and it revolved around the fact that we were just kind of spiritually fat and happy. You know, we never thought we'd be in a big building. We never thought we'd have this many people. Wow, this is crazy. And we were just very content. So last year, I just had a real honest conversation during the State of the Church address saying, hey, guys, we've quit being friendly. We've quit being welcoming to guests. We kind of have just considered ourselves a big church and operate like a big church. But what God did to grow our church was this very family feel that we had and we've lost what has made us unique and I guarantee you that nobody remembers what I talked about in the state of the church address last year but we saw real change and our church started growing again about a year ago and it was because when guests came in they felt welcomed they felt like part of the body and people intentionally started doing that so I guess just seeing people change and respond even if it isn't a fireworks show sometimes it is the embers that you see kind of catch a little bit of glow and they keep glowing for a year uh, so so I think some of the most successful events have been the ones that people don't even remember um, but again that's not a call to stop doing special events um, at all so um, just a call to again perspective yeah. on what we consider a success yeah so it, I definitely think it's a good idea to measure it success to measure the success of an event twice like maybe right after it happened did did people come did we pull off what we were hoping for you know if it's a, an evangelistic thing were there conversions if it's a discipleship thing did people learn but also maybe a few months down the line get back together with the people who put it together and look back and say okay now what fruit have we seen since that happened um, again that to, go, so wise. to go back to the conference we just had uh, so we four sessions 
we looked at a different gospel in each session. And what I'm really hoping is that six months from now, as our people have been reading, you know, hopefully reading the Bible at home, um, you know, they'll be reading through Matthew and they'll remember that something Kyle mentioned. It'll just kind of flip a light bulb in their head or uh, something that somebody said comes back to mind. So don't just judge success and failure right after the event happens, but later on, has it produced fruit? Like you said, you know, nobody remembers that state of the church address, but, you know, over the months you saw some changes being made and, and things happening. So um, measure success twice, at least. That's a that's off the dome, Jared Hall, you're right there. Did you write no. that down earlier? No, no. Was that's, that, it's all that's good stuff. Off the noggin. I think that's some some really good wisdom that we can take with us today. So, tons of you have special events coming, and uh, we as we kind of move toward wrapping this up, let's let's just talk about it from a different perspective. Uh, you and I are by no means um, celebrity pastors or anything of the sort. I mean, we do have a podcast, but uh, <laughs> it's a, that literally tens of people listen to. Hey, and Reed uh, is still listening. So Reed is still listening. So we're Thanks, just going to hold. Reed all the way. We, we, had, we had given up and we decided to record when Reed tweeted us this week. So <laughs> that, was, that was it. That's, that's the catalyst. But uh, we do get to speak at a lot of people's special events. We get to be at the fireworks show and kind of stand there and watch what God does sometimes. So as a speaker who gets to go to special events occasionally, again, we're, we're most often you will find us like we are today, sitting in our offices, talking on the phone to each other. I mean, this is our normal. We're not traveling the world and doing this, but when we do get the occasional Disciple Now event or a revival for a church, uh, what are some things that for you as a speaker help equip you and get you ready to be a help and to be faithful in that ministry when you're doing a special event for somebody? Okay, I had to think about that. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was wondering if you were yeah. going to say that. Uh-huh. Um, clear expectations about uh, yes. how are you defining success of this week? What are you hoping to accomplish this weekend? So I've I've been on both ends of the spectrum when it comes to like, because, you know, most of the speaking events I get are youth events and uh, especially Disciple Now. So uh, on the one end of the spectrum, you have the youth guy who emails you and says, hey, can you come speak at RD Now? And you say, sure. And you go, what should I talk about? And they go, you know, whatever the Lord lays on your heart is fine. Okay, well, when am I speaking? You know, once Friday night and twice on Saturday. Well, what's the small group curriculum? Hey, you know, we haven't ordered it yet. And then you just kind of show up and and it's disorganized and they don't know what they're trying to accomplish. It was just a youth guy who knows he's supposed to have a D now in the spring, so he threw it together. And it's just, you know, spent more time playing in the games and the Saturday afternoon field trip than the, you know, what are we trying to, it's, it's a disciple now, in what way are we trying to disciple our students? On the other end of the spectrum, um, and, and I prefer this way, you've got the guy who says, uh, in fact, I did a Disciple Now in Huntington a couple weeks ago, and uh, Byron Smith, he said he listens sometimes. So, Byron, if you're listening, I'm talking, Shout about, out. talking about you here. He had the small group curriculum. Uh, in addition to the small group curriculum, he sent me some large group outlines, and it said, you know, here's a way to tie our small group stuff in with the large group worship times. Um, here's the phone number and name of the guy who's leading worship. We want you to speak here, here, and here. Uh you know, if there's any other questions, you can ask me. And so he was so clear about what the weekend was about, uh, kind of the makeup of his 
of his youth group. You know, here's who comes. Here's kind. Of, he was available to answer questions, uh, and so I just showed up. And man, it was a well-oiled machine. He was prepared and clear about expectations, and it was a great weekend. So I think that's that's number one. Not that you don't have. Not that you have to be type A and over prepared, but at least know what you're hoping to do with the event, so that the people you bring in know what they should do too. See, I, I kind of think I'm a little more toward the opposite direction than you. I, I don't like no direction, but I really struggle with here's where we want you to go in your teaching sometimes. Uh, of course, you know, the sweet spot is like I get to do the D now you did last year in Buna. After last year, they were like, gosh, please don't let him come back. And oh, they were anybody else. <laughs> but, you know, when our when our good friends – Daniel and Jonathan are the ones running it. You know, yeah. there's they we all know each other and trust each other. I know their hearts. I know a lot about their ministry already. So it is uh, we're able to be a little more flexible because we know each other so well. But I have been in some invited to some places where I know nobody and I know nothing about what's happening. And I know you ha- have had some situations like that where you show up for a camp or an event and it's like, hey, uh, so I'm the guy, I'm speaking, and yeah. you haven't really even talked to anybody, and it's like, how is this going to work out? So I think communication is key. If you're going to have, um, because I think that's, th- so yeah, I kind of rambled a little bit, but let me kind of land the plane here. If there are very high expectations, communicate those expectations. That's my big thing. Or if, if you are, hey, man, we just want what the Lord wants, wherever he's going to lead you, make that clear yeah. so communication is the is the biggest part so um i've been like you said on some where they have everything like we want you to kind of go this direction hey even can you teach this passage and all of that um and i've also had where it's just kind of like hey well we'll speak when the lord's ready and all this kind of stuff and it's just crazy but i'm just remembering uh, it, that year that we both uh preached at the men's retreat and jerry redkey gave us the passage and the sermon title he said, yeah. here's what you're preaching. Now go write it. <laughs> and uh, that was actually when we first met, too. Yeah. That was a good time. So funny story about that. I also uh, preached it in a totally different direction than was intended. <laughs> he he gave us – you did John the Baptist. I did right. Daniel. And yeah. he called – Open window my, commitment, right? Yes, <laughs> Daniel, an open window commitment, which is obviously alluding to when Daniel prayed before the open window. So he wanted me to talk about prayer. Uh, swung and missed on that. I taught Daniel chapter one on how we should be resolved to follow Jesus regardless of what the culture says. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know till after, and it never clicked until standing with Jerry afterward. Of course, he was very kind and complimentary. And uh, our good friend, Dr. Jimmy Neal, came up, and uh, I'm just going to call him doctor from now on. But sure, Jimmy not? walks Jimmy walks up and says, Hey, uh, so I uh, decided to do something. Do- and, a little, and I little guess. And I guess Jimmy saw my face that I was baffled, and he goes, an open window commitment? <laughs> Daniel. And it was like, boom. <laughs> like, how did I miss that? I don't think Rusty's read past Daniel chapter one. So, good times. Again, but communication would have helped. Communication would have been helpful. So, uh, all that to say, man, what an honor it is to get to be able to do those things sometimes, but also just to be able to plan and, and see God work in the midst of those. So let us encourage you, whether you're planning big things for 2018 or whether you're just working in that liturgy or the rhythm that's already been established, 
continue to be faithful in doing those things, measure success the right way, and just be encouraged that uh, despite our best efforts, God is still going to help us and it's going to happen the way he wants it to because he's God and uh, he lets us serve him. That's a pretty cool gig we have. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. Be sure and follow both of us on Twitter. Follow the podcast on Twitter. At this point, you know where to find us. Shoot us an email. Send us a Facebook message. Share this link with your friends and have them listen to. And if you're looking for a great preacher for a special event you have coming up this year, let me recommend my friend Rusty Mott. In all sincerity, he's one of the best guys and one of the best preachers I know personally. He was part of our Gospel and the Gospels Conference and and was one of the highlights of the weekend. In fact, uh, I think we have a search committee trying to get his resume now apparently i'm <laughs> i'm on my way out i guess uh, but no rusty does a yeah. great job and so hit him up invite him to come preach at your church you won't regret it and he's probably going to well, try and say invite aw, jerry shucks. but nope nope don't say it that's the end that's the end of the podcast no, it's what i was going to nope. say is i echo everything jared just said <laughs> i am great <laughs> Uh, speaking of audacity, they didn't even hear that. No. So uh, let's end on the fact that there was an inside joke and uh, audacity audio. Anybody? No? Right? Cricket sound effect, Pat. Right here, cricket See, sound effect. This is just an example of what you can get if you invite me to come preach at your church. <laughs> Awkward stammering. Uh, oh, gosh. You know, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, Neal, Jimmy Neal's a really good preacher, too. Maybe you should invite him instead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you're not a fan of uh, stammering and stuttering, and call Jimmy Neal. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and I'm just going to do what we do. Drop the mic.